0: Well, our Christmas services, we're actually concluding a five-week series of messages that we've been in all about uh, the coming of the Lord. It wasn't just a shock moment. It had been prepared since the foundations of the earth were formed, and I encourage you that in all of your Christmas traditions, I I encourage you to, to, to take time, carve out time as a family with kids, grandkids, with one another, and Spend time reading the Christmas story. It doesn't take very long. You can find it in Luke chapter two or Matthew chapter one, and you can just read the simple story of, of uh, the nativity scene and everything going on. But you know, the story of Jesus doesn't start there. It starts all the way up before the Garden of Eden was even created. And Matthew, the very first book of the New Testament, uh, it starts not with the story of Jesus uh, and the nativity and the, you know, the barn and the, and, and Mary and Joseph, it actually starts 42 generations earlier, and Matthew begins with a genealogy. And uh, he doesn't start with once upon a time, because it wasn't a once upon a time, it was a real family, a real person, and he gives us this whole Ancestry.com 23andMe layout of all of Jesus' earthly dads, 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 dads. How many of you remember your dad's name? I hope, yeah, okay, all right, Okay. Um, How how many of you remember your dad's dad's name, their first name? Okay. How many of you remember, can remember your dad's 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 name? Oh, it starts getting a little bit slimmer. Anybody know their great, 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 great grandfather's name? Okay. We've got an overachiever of a genealogy over here. (laughs) The rest of you, you don't even love your family. You don't even love them. Now, isn't it crazy? Like the most, the closest people in our bloodline, we don't even know their first name after a few generations. But Matthew wants to show us this is a this is a surgical process of God to fulfill prophecy and f- to fulfill the right person at the right time with the right family and the right credentials. And a genealogy was like about proper pedig- pedigree coming from the right bloodline. But when you see Jesus' genealogy, it actually isn't it all about a proper pedigree at all. As Matthew Matter of fact, it includes cultural outsiders. There were people in Jesus' family tree that were not allowed to even go into the temple of God, yet they found themselves part of the family of God. That's the kind of redemptive story the story of Jesus is all about. There were those in Jesus' family that were moral failures. I mean, they f- failed big time, seedy, grimy, like st- Stuff that, that you you whisper and you don't talk about in front of your kiddos, like moral failures. There were those that were overlooked and unloved, even in Jesus' family, to show us that, especially at Christmas time, it can be a tough time. It's the most wonderful time of the year until it's not. And when we're facing hurt and a wound and a an empty seat at the table for the first time at a Christmas. And we can feel overlooked and unloved and we can struggle. Jesus' family had those same realities. We learned last week that even Jesus' family had those that were unexpected and surprised by his coming and also those that questioned and wondered and even kind of doubted in a certain way. Like, is this really gonna happen? His own parents, his mama and his daddy were like, really? I mean, they had to be convinced, and for 42 <coughs> generations, we see the dysfunction of even God's family. I mean, doesn't that make you feel good? Like, you thought you were the only dysfunctional family, had a bunch of dysfunctional people and you're like, we don't have any dysfunctional people in our family. You're the one. <laughs> if, you, if you don't see it, you just might be it, Uncle Rick. <laughs> 42 generations of real people because that's who he came to love and who he came to die for, real people. I love the Bible because it's, it's not cleaned up for, it's not sanitized, it's, it's real, and it's for you, and it's for me. And we get to the story 42 generations later. Here it goes, Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. It's the end of that genealogy of all the fathers had these sons, had these fathers, had these sons. This is where the story of the nativity of Jesus' birth starts. Matthew verse 18, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. I remember the first time I laid eyes on Janet Norton at Southwestern University. I mean... (laughs) Had to, had to get to know that girl and began to talk to her. We bumped into each other one day. We were both working in administration uh, as student, uh, you know, student workers. And, and uh, I finally <clears throat> you know, gathered up enough courage to, to ask her out. And, and me in my incredibly suave way, I quoted Dumb and Dumber uh, to, to, to ask her out. I, I said, what's the chances of a guy like you? and a girl like me, going out sometime. I said, one in a hundred? And she goes, more like one in a million. She quoted, this, she quoted the movie, which I was like, oh, i head over heels. She said, one in a million. I said, so you're saying there's a chance, all right. And we began to date, and several months later, I knew this, I mean, we, I knew on the first date, and my dad knew before I knew, my mom knew before I like, son. If, if you don't marry that girl, you're out of the family, we're taking her. Like that's how much they love Janet so fast. And a few months later, I uh, asked her to marry but I know I had such a catch that I wanted to make sure she wasn't going like, uh, kind of uh, uh, work her way out of the deal. And so I asked her in front of 6,000 people at this big convention, this church convention. Boy, you know I was destined to be a pastor when I'm asking my wife to marry me in front of a church pe- group. Uh, actually, we got it on video and here's part of the proposal. Good-looking guy. So, anyway, a few weeks later, we we took our obvious lay in the grass engagement photos. Actually, right down the road in the in the Lufkin location on Fagan Street, like you know, next to a next to a mobile home. Just we just laid in the grass and took the pictures. Few months after that, at this location, Janet grew up in Lufkin, and uh, since she was four years old, was saved in this church, water baptized in this church. We got married on this stage right here, and we got uh, uh, had uh, had our moment of cake and punch, and started life June tenth, two thousand. And don't don't think that the the characters in the Bible uh, were just statuesque. They had young love too. We don't know where it started. It could have been that Mary's parents were redoing the kitchen and had to go down to the cabinet shop and pick up some new cabinets. And Mary went with her dad. And as they were picking up the cabinets, there was a young man helping load up the pickup truck. His name was Joe. And she looked at him and he looked at her and they knew, whoa, something is up. And after they dated for a while, Joseph knew I want her to be my wife. And so they got pledged to be married. And they had, of course, you know, their engagement photos, and (laughs) it had gotten so serious, they had even sent out the save the dates. I mean, the Galilee Resort and Spa, Mary and Joseph, here it comes. They were registered at Bed Bethlehem and beyond, and (laughs) Barnes and Noble, and Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. It was great. It was beautiful. The flowers were gonna be epic. The dresses for the bridesmaids were awesome. But, and that's a big but, but. Before they came together, she was found to be pregnant uh, through the Holy Spirit. Mm. Now, can you imagine in real time and in real life, the conversation, Mary, the next day, after having been visited by an angel saying, you're highly favored and you have an assignment that, that you are blessed beyond, you are blessed among women. And she says, I want to be the Lord's servant. Even though she had some questions and struggled, she had to take it and have a simple acceptance and work it through. Could you could you imagine the text message to Joseph? hey? Can we meet up? We need to talk about some stuff. And Joseph's like, you know, in the middle, he's got his, his protective goggles on and his gloves and he's running something through the sander and he stops, he tells her, about, is everything okay? What is it? Just, just snap me. And she's like, no, 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 no. We need to talk face to face. And he's like, emoji, question mark, mind blown, question mark, question mark, question mark. Then he starts calling her and it's going straight to voicemail. And he's like, what is up? Why are you leaving me on red? And she's like, just meet me at the Nazareth Starbucks at 530. <laughs> so he gets cleaned up. He meets her at Starbucks. She's sitting there and she, he can tell like she is, she's, she's got a lot on her mind and she grabs his hands over that little round table and she begins to explain what had happened the night before and the realness of that angel and what that angel said and what she was feeling and what she, and she was worried about telling her parents and was worried about telling him. And could you imagine what was going through Joseph's mind as he sits there and sees her and is thinking about these things and, and processing this? And she finally gets done and she's just, beside herself. She says, Joseph, like you won't say anything. Just say something. I mean, what are you what are you what are you thinking right now? And and and, and I don't know, but but I, I wonder if Joseph was, you know, basically like Where? You've been where? Where who? Mm, for real. Oh really? That's how you feel. Anyway. I don't know if it happened exactly like that. Maybe, maybe. What am I trying to say? Even Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus, even Mary, the mother of Jesus, had to deal with reality of the unexpected moments. In fact, if you're taking notes tonight, you may wanna write this down, that no one, no one is exempt from experiencing the unexpected the good unexpected of a proposal the good unexpected of a of an increase of the salary a good unexpected of grandbabies a good une- and then the unexpected layoff or the unexpected hospital stay the unexpected sickness the unexpected passing the unexpected infidelity or the unexpected wound Unexpected diagnosis. No one's exempt. Jesus himself said it rains on good people and bad people, just people and unjust people, righteous and the unrighteous. And it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Some of the greatest, largest, life-changing moments you'll ever experience in life, you may not even see them coming. And you can't avoid them. You just gotta walk through them. Now, Joseph processes everything. And because Joseph, her husband was a righteous man, he was a God fearing Jew. He loved God. He followed the law. He was a righteous living man. And he didn't want to expose her to public disgrace by, by screenshotting their text messages and, and, and spreading it all over what's happened in Angelina County and what happened in Nacogdoches County. He he wanted to he wanted to respect her, even though he didn't understand this story she's saying about the Holy Spirit and this pregnancy. So he had in his mind, he had it, he had it all laid out. He was strategic. He, he really thought it through, had a lot of time to think, and he was just going to divorce her quietly and move on with his life. And here's another element we learn in this story about our own lives, that even your best intentions can produce the wrong decisions he had in his mind, he was a righteous man trying to follow God. And he was about to walk away from the greatest moment in human history. He was about to walk away from a divine moment, but he had thought it out. And I know some of us, you got your theories about God. You got your thoughts. You kind of have your own thing and, ah, the God of the Bible, you'll take this and that. But then the other things like, let me just kind of create my own situation here and you, you know what, you, you may be a good person, but good decisions can even, or good intentions can lead to wrong decisions, especially when you're dealing with the emotions of the unexpected. So I want us to sit with this question today. Just, just sit with this question, what's your unexpected? Can you think back to, or can you uh, identify even now, maybe something unexpected that you've had to deal with? or you're dealing with, or you may have to deal with. The good news is this, and we read it in the Christmas story. It's this beautiful reason for the season. And and here's the deal. We we say Jesus is the reason for the season, right? But if you were to ask Jesus the reason for the season, do you know what he would say? He would say, actually, you are the reason for the season. There was no need for me to come to earth as a man if it weren't for my love for you. I could have just stayed in heaven and I could have done it a different way, but but I loved you so much, I love this world so much that I would give my life. My father would give me to pay for your freedom. You're the reason for the season and in this story, we learn this, in, this invaluable lesson. Write it down. God can work a miracle in the middle of your unexpected moments. God is still working miracles today. He's not put that in a box and shut it up and put it in the back of the closet. He's still doing miracles. He's still moving. He's still breathing. He's still having his way. He's the same God of yesterday, today, and forever. That same God that is alive and true and not only is moving, but he's also moving through you, the body of Christ. He wants to empower us to be his hands and his feet, and God can work a miracle. And I know that some of you, you've been saying, why why, why won't he work the miracle then? Why won't it work the miracle? And you're, you're having to navigate the realities of a broken world. And hey, I even know that there are some of you, maybe you or a friend or a relative, an associate, a neighbor, you may have said, you know what? I would believe in God. I would believe in God if he'd show me a miracle. If he'd just show it to me, I then I, then I would believe. And I want to show you something in this story that Joseph was standing in front of the greatest miracle that had come to earth and he couldn't see it, he couldn't understand it because he was blinded by his unexpected. He was blinded by the detour of life. So the next few moments that we have, I I wanna show you some principles in the Christmas story that are really kind of practical applications, not just for Mary and Joseph and a, and a manger and some sheep and some shepherds, but really some practical application for you to grab by the hands and, and follow in your own pursuit of Jesus. And basically, it's just, it's like how to receive a Christmas miracle. How do you receive a miracle into your life? Joseph wasn't gonna have it. But God intervened, God worked a miracle in the middle of his unexpected and he received that Christmas miracle with an open heart and open eyes. We learn these practical applications with the rest of the story and it goes like this. After he had considered all this, the divorce, the conversation, the pregnancy, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. Now, the angel appeared to Mary right there in her room, right there, wherever she was. She was wide awake, standing straight up. But Joseph, the angel appears to him in a dream. He lays down and falls asleep and (sighs) knock, knock. Hey, Joey. And there's the angel. Basically, the angel had to get Joseph laying down in order to get his attention. And many times, many times, especially at Christmas, here's a step to receive a Christmas miracle. Every single one of us need to just take a moment and slow down. You got to slow down. We are living at a breakneck speed. We have busyness as the new Girl Scout merit badge. We we love to talk about how our plates are full. I've not had many people come to me and say, you know, my plate is just so 30% full right now. It's amazing to me how 2020 recalibrated us in the pandemic. And we were saying to one another, this is wild, but man, man, it's kind of shown us the more important things in life. How we need to slow down and kind of make sure the most important things are the most important things. And then, as soon as certain mandates were lifted, we were like Roadrunner right back to an even busier life, living life in the red line of the RPMs with very little margin. And we're just busy and we're busy and we're busy. And what happens is we live and we live and we suck up all of our time and we don't have any space and we get closer and closer to the edge and we get closer and closer to the red line. And eventually what happens is the closer I live on the edge of just running, 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 busy, 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 wrapping presents, doing this, making eggnog, you name it that all of a sudden my focus is now not so much in what I'm doing, but in just trying to balance, just trying to not fall over. And I spend more energy being counterbalanced in my life that's breakneck speed busy versus what I really need to be saying in the next moment. In, in fact, you're focusing more on whether I'm gonna fall or not on what I'm even talking about. But if I give myself margin, if I give myself some space in my life, I'm able to, Whew, get a little breathing room. Can I challenge you? Carve out some time this Christmas season to just slow down and invite Jesus to speak into your life. Here's number two. The angel basically is saying, you're a very important part of this story, man. Joseph saw himself as the outside looking in, the... The the, the fiancé who's been betrayed, the fiancé who's been traded in for maybe a one-night stand, and he's wondering what's going on. But really, Joseph was right in the thick of it. He was in the middle of it. He was a massive part of this whole story. He wasn't going to be the father of Jesus, uh, but he was going to be the earthly father of Jesus. The angel of the Lord appeared in a dream and said, Joseph, and he calls him by name. He, ident- he gives him his real identity. God is very serious about identity. And he says it like this. He says, Joseph, son of David. Now, what's interesting about this moment is if you didn't read the genealogy clear, if you back up and we see Joseph introduced, his dad isn't David. His father isn't David. David. We see, we read it right here. And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. So it's basically Joseph, the son of Jacob, not Joseph, son of David. But see, God has a way of showing you an identity that's way beyond your genetics, way beyond your family tree, way beyond your mommy and your daddy, way beyond your ups and your downs, your highs and your lows. And what the angel is saying to Joseph is, you're an important part of this story because Jesus is gonna come through a relationship that has to do with the bloodline of royalty, the bloodline of King David. And Joseph, you're a very important part of this whole thing. Can I say you're an important part of the story? You're not the sum total of what you do for a living. He cares about who you are more than he cares about what you're doing. He cares about who he's created you to be. And you know, we, we really value helping people at Timber Creek know God personally, find freedom from anything holding them back and really discover purpose, not just purpose in a job and purpose in just kind of living life, but like, a a grander vision that God has for each one of us to be a part of his bigger story. The angel also says, "So, so you wanna receive a Christmas miracle, slow down, slow down. Understand you're a part of a much bigger story, but you're part of it. Number three, you don't worry. It's not always what it looks like. Don't judge the gift by the box, Joseph. It's not what it looks like. The angel says, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. I mean, she's gonna give birth to a son. And here's an interesting moment in the story. And you, Joe, are to give him the name Jesus. Now here, if you didn't know Jewish culture, you wouldn't know really what's so powerful about this moment. In Jewish culture, the father had naming rights. The father was the one. It wasn't that you got a a book of baby names and you're like, I, you know, it wasn't like Mary's thinking, I'm thinking Skylar or something like that. And, you know, like they, the dad decides in that culture. He decides the name, he's gonna carry the bloodline. And what the angel is saying is, you don't get to choose the name. I'm giving you the name. Why? Because God was the father, God was gonna give the name, God was choosing the bloodline. But understand this as well. Basically, God is saying, or the angel's saying, like, you can't name this God. He is already named. But in life, do you know what ends up happening about Jesus and a lot of people? They wanna name Jesus themselves. Instead of Jesus being the final authority in our life, we name Jesus our administrative assistant, and we hand him things that maybe we don't wanna deal with. The creator of the cosmos deserves to be more than your good luck charm. He deserves to be more than a four-leaf clover or the big man upstairs that we go to when we're in a pinch. He deserves to have your extravagant worship and your glad surrender. He's already named. The angel's saying, you're not gonna be his manager. (laughs) He's gonna be your manager. Give him this name. He's gonna be your savior. The angel says, all this, all this took place, Joseph. All of it. To fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet hundreds of years earlier, a virgin would conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. That's his nickname. His real name's Jesus. His nickname is Emmanuel. What's his nickname? His nickname, like, like, like you know how you got a, a, some guy's nickname is Turbo, uh, uh, Speedy. We, we, we have a, a pastor on our team who's transitioned to become a missionary, Stephen Courtney. His nickname is Dirty Steve because he just gets dirty all the time for some reason. It's not like he's dirty, you know, mentally or spiritually, it's just dirty Steve. God's nickname for his son is God with you, God with me, God with us. The angel's trying to say all this, all this unexpected, see the bigger picture. See the bigger picture, Joseph. You're part of something grand here. Do you know that I think one of the greatest miracles that could happen in your life and in mine may not be a healing of a physical thing, but one of the greatest miracles that could happen in your life would be a healing of your perspective, a a healing of not just eyesight but insight. In order for Joseph to receive everything God had for him, he had to walk by faith, not by sight. One of the greatest miracles God wants to do for you and for me and every year at Christmas is an awesome opportunity to recalibrate our perspective. He's big and he's good and he's peace on earth and it's goodwill toward men. And he did it for us. See the bigger picture. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. And he took Mary home as his wife. It's one thing to hear. It's one thing to have a dream. It's another thing to wake up and realize, I'm gonna act on this. Jesus himself said, When, when you're foolish, you, you may hear the word of God, but you don't do anything with it. And when you hear the word, but you don't do anything with it, it's kind of like a contractor who would build an entire house on a real sandy, loose foundation. No matter when the unexpected rains down, that house is going to shake. That house is going to crack. That house is going to fall. But when you hear and you do, that's like a wise builder who builds on solid, solid foundation. And Joseph was putting that into practice. He gets up and he washes his face and he looks in the mirror and leans onto the vanity. and <sighs> He is inviting ridicule. He is inviting gossip. He is inviting opinions of his family and his parents and his in-laws and everybody into his life. But he looks and he says, I know I've heard from God. He gets dressed and he walks out of his little house and down the street across town, I can see him going through the market and stopping for a moment. and Picking up a bouquet of flowers and Joseph walks that dusty street that he's walked many times, holding hands, eating ice cream with his girl. gets to Mary's house and he knocks on the door and the dad answers. Is she home? Dad says, come on. He walks into the living room and sits on the couch and in just a moment, Mary comes out of the upstairs room and sees Joseph. She thought it was maybe done. She didn't know what to think. She comes down the stairs and she sits next to him and he grabs her by the hand and he says, Mary, whew, okay, okay. I didn't see it. I didn't, I didn't understand it. And this is crazy, this is crazy, okay. But let's do this. And for you and me, the final posture, of receiving a Christmas miracle, can I just invite you this Christmas, 2022, do what Joseph did. Wake up, wake up, wake up. Open your eyes and see, like, like wake up, your marriage is worth fighting for. Wake up, he's real and he loves you, he has a plan for your life. Wake up, there's something greater. Wake up, he'll meet you in your unexpected. My kids are terrible at waking up. They have a really hard time waking up as teenagers. Five more minutes, 10 more minutes, get up. But I can tell you five, seven days from now on December 25th, they gonna have no problem waking up. They gonna wake us up. It's Christmas, it's Christmas. I'm gonna go back to bed. It's Christmas. Do you know why? because they can't wait to see the gift they got. And friends, you don't have to wait to unwrap the greatest gift you got. His name is Jesus, and he's the answer to every problem. And that's what brings us to our Christmas survey. Right there, I'm gonna invite you to pull out your card, your survey card. It's a one-question survey, so simple. Every single one of us are an A, a B, a C, or D. And here's what this survey is all about. It's about doing business with God. It's about examining where we are in our relationship with Jesus. It's it's about inviting him to be the Lord of our life, way more than just an administrative assistant. And so when the question is asked, would you like to believe in Jesus and invite him to be the Lord and savior of your life? You may choose one of these answers. Now you would select D, you would cross D if you're saying tonight, no thanks. I don't actually ever intend on making that decision. I showed up because my friend invited me, but this I, this isn't really for me. And I wanna say to you, hey, we're glad you're here. Um, we've designed this church for people that haven't made a decision or maybe may not ever make a decision. We want you to know that you still have a seat here. We're we're glad to have you. And when we receive your survey and you've marked D, I want you to know that you need to like really know where you stand, but. Here's what we'll do, here's here's what we'll do. We're just gonna pray over every card we get. And if you mark D, here's here's our prayer. God, if you are who you say you are, if you're really real, if you really exist, then would you show them who you are and how much you love them this year in whatever way they will receive it. That's our prayer for you. That if God is really God, that he would show you this next year. You would mark C, if you're in the position of still wanting to consider this. I mean, many times what we wanna do is we wanna make a decision to follow Jesus and like surrender life to him like quicker than we would ever even buy a, buy a car. This is an important decision and you wanna consider it. Well, let me encourage you, mark it if that's where you are, but like actually flesh it out and consider it and, and think about it and, and st- move those muscles don't just say I want to consider it, and not do anything like we invite you to kick the tires and come join us on Sundays and bring your kids and drop them off and and, and let them hear about the stories of Jesus as you consider these things now if you're here tonight and you recognize that I, I want Jesus to be an integral part of my life to be the center of my life and I'm not even for sure what all that means, but I'm, I'm ready to take some next steps on that. Then you would check B, because basically you're saying, Jesus, I surrender to you and I wanna start or restart a relationship with you today. And in just a moment, if that's you, we're, we're gonna pray for all of our unexpecteds, but we're also gonna pray over you. And I'm gonna guide you in a little prayer. Finally, you would check mark B, A, if you're in the house and you're saying, hey, I'm already following. I'm in a relationship with Jesus already. And I just want to say, ratchet up, ratchet up that joy and that peace that don't get so comfortable following that you miss the, the brightness and the goodness of continually surrendering to him. He's so faithful. in this moment i'm going to step back just for a few seconds finish filling out the card if you wanted to fill it out on digital you can scan that qr code and do it right there if we were in arkansas i'd give you five more minutes for one question (laughs) But it's Texas everybody, so we're ready. I'm kidding, my whole family line is from Arkansas. You know why they don't have a CSI, Little Rock? Not a lot of dental records. (laughs) Anyway, sorry. (laughs) Wow, that makes an awesome prayer moment. (laughs) We, we, We gotta pray now, that's what we gotta do. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads? I wanna pray over you. Maybe you made a decision to follow Jesus tonight. Ah, heaven's atmosphere changes when people decide to follow him. And we're so excited to help you along this journey. In your own words, you simply say, Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for giving me hope and taking my sin away. I give you my life. Thank you for being a perfect God, sinless, preparing a place for me in heaven. I wanna follow you and thank you for not being mad at me, but giving me this moment to make things right with you. Father, now I pray for every unexpected reality that people are going through. Unexpected loss, unexpected wound, unexpected hurt, unexpected change. And I pray that you would be who only you can be in the middle of that moment. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can you celebrate those that made a decision to follow Jesus today? How cool is that? Now, here's what we're going to do is we will continue in a couple of songs in the lighting of candles. We're going to receive our Christmas cards, our survey cards, and our offering. And in just a moment, our ushers are gonna pass one bucket per row all the way down and just pass it all the way, all the way down the row and they'll pick it up on the other side. This is an opportunity for you to give to Jesus in the offering, your survey card. But also if you'd like to give a gift now or on the app or in TimbercreekChurch.com, you can do that anytime through the week. God bless you as you give.